Y'all doing okay today? Yes. So, um, I don't have this in my notes, but I do think it's worth sharing. Um, I think that today, um, today's pretty cool. Today, I think I have the second coolest socks in the room. Um, Second coolest socks in the room. Now, some of you are going to be thinking, how do you top? How do you do better than Bat Moose? Um, Well... Brett, I'm going to ask you to stand up and actually walk over here in the middle. Because, um, now, Brett's wearing shorts, but there's a reason. You see those socks? You may not be able to tell from the back, but you know whose face is on those socks? That'd be my face. <laughs> those are some good-looking socks. Um, <laughs> and that's what happens whenever your youth group does a white elephant gift exchange. Um, your face winds up on socks. Um, y'all, I'm glad to be with you today. Um, it seems like there was something else I want to tell you all today, but I'll just start by telling you, I'm going to give you all a Christmas gift today. Um, today, my gift to you is uh, I'm going to cut a sermon about in half of what's normal. Now, if you're not usually with us, um, you're going to think this is about normal. Um, but if you're here regularly, you're going to be like, man, done already. Um, Anyway, but I, I do think it's good to be together on Christmas. It's good to be here today. So I'm thankful for you all. Today is uh, truly a special day. Um, and I thought I would start by explaining why today was such a special day. Um, first, because it's Sunday, right? Sundays are special days. Um, if, if you're a believer, if you live, especially where we live here and we're able to gather every Sunday, um, we set aside this day every week to gather. I'm going to try not to kick over any. Um, we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We sing praises like we just did. I'm going to try not to kick over any of these bells. Um, we sing praises to God together and we, you know, we celebrate a lot. Just last week we celebrated with baptism and we do that somewhat regularly, which is awesome. We get to celebrate as people publicly declare faith in Jesus. Um, every week, every week we receive communion, like we did just a moment ago. We celebrate Christ's body and blood together, and we worship by studying His Word together. So today is a special day, because today's Sunday. Um, but today is also a special day, because, I hope you know this, today's Christmas. Um, it's a day we set aside each year to remember the Incarnation, to remember the birth of our Savior. Okay, so today is a special day for that reason, and we celebrate Christmas with lights and trees and ornaments, and we celebrate with candy and meals and family and gifts and singing, and I'm sure there are countless other traditions I haven't named. So today is a special day, because it's Christmas. Um, But today, today is a special day because today is both Sunday and Christmas. Um, I didn't realize... Just how rare that was. Um, I didn't. I, I just never really gave it much thought. Sunday falls on a Christmas. Okay, well, fine. I didn't think much of it. Last time that happened was, was six years ago, 2016. Before that, it was five years in 2011. Before that, another six years back in 2005. So what I'm telling you is that this is only the fourth time this has happened this century. Over the, this fourth time. Fourth time, that's it. Next time, next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, the year will be 2033, 11 years from now, 2033. Now, just to give you some perspective, um, I started thinking about what's going to be true in 2033, and some of this frightened me just a little bit, so stay with me. I realized that in 2033, my daughter will be preparing for her 20th birthday, um, which scares me. Um, Cam, my oldest, will be 18. Enoch, my third child... 
he'll be 16 and driving. And now you all understand why I was scared. Um, (laughs) My unborn child will be older than my daughter is now. That blew my mind whenever I started thinking about that. Next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, all that will be true. Now, all of those are very personal to me. Okay, so that's that's me. So I thought I would broaden this out just a little bit. I didn't ask permission to do this. I'm going to say some names. But anyway, um, next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, um, Isaac Dudek and Courtney Gordon, they will be 30 years old. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, 30 years old. And Steve Sheldon will be, well, older. Um, I thought about picking on Alan, but he's got a lot of grief for his age the last few weeks, so I'll just move on. Um, Anyway, (laughs) next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, we will have seen five Olympic Games. Five Olympic Games. Um, They will be held in Paris, Milan, Los Angeles, in unknown site, and Brisbane, Australia. That's right. It's going to be so long before next time Christmas falls on a Sunday that they haven't even named all of the Olympic host cities, and they do that way in advance. So, next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, some of you will appreciate this one, Tom Brady will be 56 years old and will most likely be playing in his 33rd season in the NFL. (laughs) Next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, Michael Jordan will be 70 years old and will have not played in the NBA in 30 years. Yeah. Um, Next time Christmas falls on a Sunday, our current president, Joe Biden, will be 91 years old, and we will have gone through three presidential elections since. So what's the point? I hope you see how rare today is. Just how rare today is. Um, Today is truly, objectively, it is a special day. Um, Over the last several weeks, we've gone through this series that we've called the Gift Exchange, right? So we've gone through this Gift Exchange. And we talk about how um, at Advent we can celebrate that uh, we give of our complacency as we prepare for the coming of Christ. We give of our fear and our anxiety and we gain the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Uh, we, give of our, we give up our bitterness, our anger, our grudges, and we receive the love of God. And then we have the privilege of turning around and sharing that love with those around us. But today, today is a special day because of the greatest gift exchange than that anyone has ever participated in. Um, and that's what this gift exchange is really all about. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, today, I hope that you can see the things that Jesus exchanged, what he gave, and how really we gained. Um, Jesus gave everything, and we gained from him giving that gift. So my hope is that our time in God's Word this morning, I hope that it fills you with joy and wonder and peace and hope and love, um, and that it will cause you to do exactly what God's Word demands of us today, and that's this. I hope it causes you to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Um, That's what God's Word calls us to today, to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Um, So that's what I would like to see today. So I would invite you to stand as we read God's word together this morning. Um, You probably would think Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. uh, We're actually going to go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 5 today. Um, And the reason I chose this text is because I think it sums up the incarnation really rather well. So Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, 
And when he, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank God for his word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, oh God, you are, you are truly good. Lord, and on this day that we celebrate Christmas, I I pray that you would help us to see what you gave up. I pray that you would help us to see your attitude, the attitude of our Savior. So Lord, I I pray that as we open this word together, as we walk through this together, I pray that it would point us back to you. That it would all point us to the work that Jesus has done on our behalf, Lord. And I pray that that would cause us to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would help us today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, Jesus here, as he, as he gave things up, um, I, wanna, I want you to see the things that he exchanged. Um, and I think those things really demonstrate his attitude. Um, and, and first, we find here that Jesus, he exchanged his glory. He exchanged his glory for our humble nature. He exchanged... His glory for our humble nature. Verse 5, and we're told to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And it goes on and explains how he did that. It says, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or something to be grasped, your translation might say. Um, One of the things that makes Christmas so amazing is that Jesus, Jesus is the eternal God. He is eternal. And despite the fact that Jesus is God, he took on flesh. Um, John, writing of Jesus, he says in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Of course, Jesus being this Word, he was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In other words, what John is saying is before anything existed, before anything was created, before there was an earth for us to be on, Jesus was. Jesus was already there. He was with God in the very beginning. Jesus is eternal. In his first letter, John, uh, the first letter of John, John writes this. He says in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, That life, talking about Jesus' life, that life was revealed. And we have seen it and testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. See, one of the amazing things about Christmas, the amazing thing about what we're celebrating today is that the eternal God became flesh, took on flesh. See, this interesting word, even though Jesus was God, um, he didn't really use his divine nature solely for his own benefit. Um, At the end of this verse, at the end of verse 6, it says, um, he did not see it as something to be exploited or something to be grasped. If you read from the King James, it has an interesting translation there. It it refers to it as robbery. Robbery. As robbery. And that's what this word suggests. It's a seizing of something. Jesus didn't see his eternal nature being one with God. He didn't see that as something just to solely take for himself. Instead, he gave it up. In a sense. And because of his love for you, because of his love for us, Jesus willingly gave up the riches of heaven and took on flesh. And in verse 7 it says, Instead, instead of grasping... What he could have grasped. Instead, he emptied himself 
by assuming the form of a servant. See, one of the amazing things about Christmas is that we're celebrating an emptying of Jesus. It says that he emptied himself. And the word empty, emptied, it means that he deprived himself of something he could have had. He deprived himself of something he could have had. Have you all ever done that? Known that there was something that you really, something that you could get, but you're going to deprive yourself of it for a certain time. You all ever heard of this thing called fasting? It's a practice that we should do in the church. Um, we probably don't do it corporately as often as we should. Um, but this thing of fasting, where we deprive ourselves of physical, physical food for spiritual gain. Jesus here, he emptied himself. He deprived himself of something he could have had. Now, did Jesus cease to be God whenever he became flesh? The answer is no. No, he did not cease to be God. Jesus was still clearly God. As a matter of fact, if you read through the New Testament, you're going to see countless examples of places where Jesus' divinity shines through, and you're going to see Jesus is God in the flesh. But instead, instead what we find, uh, this was a quote I found from, uh, from a guy named Marvin Vincent. He was a pastor in the 1800s. It said, in his humanity, he retained the consciousness of deity and, his, and in his incarnate state carried out the mind which animated him before his incarnation. In other words, he's still the same God. He's still the same God, but now he's taking on flesh. Now, I like this last part. He says, he was not unable to assert equality with God. He was able not to assert it. In other words, it's not a matter of whether he could have asserted his equality with God or not. The matter, the question at hand is, was he willing to deprive himself of that equality for a time? Was he willing to humble himself? See, Jesus emptied himself and he became like a servant. Well, what does it mean to become like a servant? Because um, we think, okay, so he became like a servant. But what kind of servant is Jesus referring to here? Well, this passage goes on in verse 7. It says, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. Taking on the likeness of humanity. To be a servant means to be like you and me. That's what he's saying. He says Jesus became like us, like servants. He became like us. The greatest expression of humility that has ever taken place was when God became like us. Took on the form of a servant. Now just think about this for a minute, because Jesus, what we, just, what we just talked about just a moment ago, is that Jesus is God. He is eternal, He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, He created all things. As a matter of fact, all things were created through Him and for Him and by Him. All of those things are His. Everything that's been created belongs to Him. And despite that truth, Jesus stepped down from His heavenly throne and became like those He created. That's pretty powerful. That's humility. Jesus gave up the glories of heaven even though he did not have to and no one could force him to do such a thing. And he became like his creation. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus exchanged his glory for our humble form. We also celebrate Christmas because Jesus exchanged his will for the Father's will. He exchanged his will for the Father's will. And the last part of verse 7, rolling into verse 8, it says, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not only did Jesus express humility, not only did he express humility in the incarnation itself, but then Jesus became obedient to the Father's will, even to the point where he subjected himself to the Father's will. He said, I'm going to humble myself below the will of the Father. Now, as I hear this, uh, I'm reminded of Jesus' prayer as he's in the garden preparing to go and be crucified. And it's here as Jesus is praying um, before his betrayal, arrest, and eventual execution. He goes away and he prays this in Luke chapter 22. 
It says, he says, Father, if you are willing, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, that's not exactly the passage I think about whenever I think about Christmas. Um, but if we think about it for just a moment, without the cross, without the cross, this child in a manger is just another poor Israelite. Um, we're not celebrating Christmas if it wasn't for the cross. Jesus did what no other man could or would do. He perfectly subjected himself to the Father's will. He humbled himself to the will of the Father. We talked about this, uh, this question here a few months back. Um, I had some people ask some questions, so I tried to answer them. And one of those questions was, did Jesus want to die on the cross? Um, and I kind of thought about this. In, in, in Jesus' humanity, the answer is no, he didn't want to die on the cross. He prayed that God would take the cup from him. He didn't want to suffer the things he was going to suffer, go through the tortures of Calvary. Of course he didn't want to do that. And he prayed that God would take this cup from him. However, his number one aim, his highest goal, was for his life to honor and glorify the, to honor and glorify the Father. He subjected himself to the Father's will. At the end of that prayer, he says, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus subjected himself to the Father's will, whatever that was. So he laid down his will, became obedient to the Father, even to the point that he had suffered unthinkable agony and died. See, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus exchanged his will for that of the Father. But we also celebrate Christmas because Jesus exchanged his life for the Father's glory. He exchanged his life for God's glory. Verse 9, it says, For this reason... For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Y'all, I read that, even just reading it, I don't feel like I can read it with enough passion in my voice. Like, did you hear those words that we just read? He gave him the name. God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why are we celebrating Christmas today? Because every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, why did Jesus take on this humble form of a man? Why did he submit to the Father's will, even to the point of death on a cross? Why did he suffer countless agonies? Why did he come to a carpenter and a teenage girl? Why was he born in a place that had no room for him so that he was laid in a feeding trough instead of putting on, being put on a throne? Why did he do all of these things? And the answer, I believe, is right here at the very end of verse 11. The very last words of this section, it says, "...to the glory of God the Father." Why did Jesus do all of these things? Why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Why was there no room for him? To the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself. He submitted himself to the Father's will. And he gave of himself all so that the Father would be glorified. You know, um, the good news is you and I, we, uh, we get to benefit from this. We benefit from this. Because Jesus came, because he lived, because he died, and because he was raised, we can have life. We can certainly benefit from this. And what better way to glorify the God than to remember the salvation he gave us that we couldn't earn, that we couldn't grasp on our own. Instead, he willingly gave it. Jesus exchanged his glory for our form, his will for the Father's will, and his life for God's glory. So, uh, well, today, I told you a little bit ago that today was an extraordinary day. Today is a truly special day. Um, and today you're probably going to celebrate with family. 
many of you will celebrate with family. Um, you're going to celebrate the birth of the Savior. You're going to celebrate that God became flesh. And many of you will remember, and this, I know this is kind of a cheesy line, but the reason for the season, many of you are going to do your best to remember that. Whether it's through all the sights and sounds that we talked about last night, or it's just through, um, we gathered together with my family last night, we opened the scriptures and we read the story of the nativity, of Christ coming. Um, so, I'm sure many of you will do your best to keep Jesus at the center of everything. But I just urge you to remember that today is an extraordinary day. Today is an extraordinary day because God became flesh. And I urge you, um, I really wanted to use a fun church term here. I want to exhort you. Um, I exhort you, as Paul does here in this letter to the Philippians, to fall before the king and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, This season, it should remind us that Jesus came in Bethlehem, but even more, it should remind us that our King is coming again. He came once, and He's coming again. Um, And when He does, uh, I guarantee this, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And my hope, my hope is that you, you do that on that day when He comes again, as you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, as you've submitted to Him, as you've humbled yourself before him. See, the thing is, we're all sinners, which is what made Christmas necessary. Um, We're all sinners. And just because he came, that doesn't mean that every person will unilaterally be ushered into heaven. Um, It's not what that means. Instead, we find that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith through trust in that Savior. So today, as you celebrate this extraordinary day, remember the King that came and share that good news with family. And I hope that you remember just why today is so special. Um, In this grand gift exchange, Jesus gave everything. He gave everything. Everything. All so that we could have life to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, God, again, you are truly good. And today, we just want to glorify you. Um, So, Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus as he is, um, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords. Even as we remember this child that came in Bethlehem and was laid in a manger, Lord, we, we remember that he is our King. He is our God. Lord, and we just praise you and we thank you for the incarnation. Um, Lord, I pray that we would remember exactly what Jesus did by being humbled, by humbling himself, by submitting to the Father's will, by glorifying you. Lord, and I pray that we would adopt the same attitude today. Um, And that attitude wouldn't just carry us through the next few hours as we celebrate this day of Christmas, but it would carry us through the year. And that would be our desire 365 days a year to submit ourselves to you, to be humble before you, and to glorify you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that you're what it's all about. Um, And, Lord, we are thankful that we can have life because you came. You sent your Son. So, Lord, we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.